Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. So this week on the show, we watched VHS Viral, a 2014 anthology horror film, the third in the VHS trilogy, of which I don't think either of us have seen parts one or two. I have not. It's like a series of short films connected by an interstitial framing sequence. I did not enjoy this movie. Yeah, it was uh, it was a rough watch. It really did come off like the sort of the student film that I think maybe it actually was. I think that's true. And there's a part of me that doesn't want to be the guy who's shitting on the people who like actually went and got a movie made. Sure. There's also the part of me that watched this and was like, this is not working for me at all. Well, right. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, you don't want to be the guys doing the podcast where we just shit all over a, a movie. But it, it was not a good movie. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't find myself enjoying it very much. I don't know how much of that was, this is not the sort of horror movie I like generally anyway, or how much of that was, this is just not well done. I was thinking about the whole, like, kind of that first-person handheld style horror movie, and I've seen it done well. There's it, there's always the problem of it trying to, ex, like, sort of explain away why the person filming wouldn't just stop filming and run away. <laughs> and the minute you, that fail, like the minute you're sitting there going, yeah, but if you put the camera down, you could get away from the malevolent <laughs> being or whatever. <laughs> and a lot of times they, you know, like those movies do kind of like a sort of a clumsy explanation. I remember seeing the first Paranormal Activity and thinking it, it scared the shit out of me. Like it really was a scary movie, but even at that, I still was watching it going, so, you know, you could just put the camera down and then you could run away from the massive coven of witches trying to take over the world. Going into this movie, the minute I realized it was one of those, you know, they had, I was just like, just put the camera down, baby. <laughs> yeah. I genuinely loved the Blair Witch Project. Oh, well, the Blair Witch Project. It was terrifying. I think you saw it with, with me and another friend of ours. Yes, I, I think that's true. And I remember walking out, think, yeah, and it was our friend Jimmy who who said that he, he encapsulated perfectly. He said, you know what was so great about that movie is, you know what's scary about sticks and rocks? Nothing. And yet, terrifying. <laughs> you know, I think I, I got the same effect with the Paranormal Activities movies, right? I went in knowing nothing about them. The idea of like every time the camera pans across the room your brain is doing these like mental gymnastics to try to remember where everything was so that if something does move it really is like a you know it's a genuinely scary effect you know there's no real cinematic genius to it you just like move a, a, a curtain and and your heart goes into your gut but those are the good ones <laughs> well yeah that's the thing i didn't get that i didn't get that watching vhs viral i mean i remember when we went to see 
Blair Witch. We were living together in Providence on Howell Street at the time. Yes. And like that next day, I had to go down to the basement for something. And I was like, ooh, I don't know, basement, Blair Witch. And, you know, after VHS viral, I, I went to my basement, no problem. <laughs> Just went right down there. Um, got, got the laundry and came right back upstairs with no incident. <laughs> so part of it was, I don't think this movie was particularly scary. And I also don't think it was particularly effective at what it was trying to do. How about this? I'm going to focus on the parts I did like. I really liked the guy who creates a portal to another dimension section of the movie. I think that one was called Parallel Monsters, directed by Nacho Vigalando. That one was at least sort of surprising and hysterical. You know what I mean? The idea that they, that, you know, the demon genitals uh, element was. But again, there's that, there's that weird. Here's the thing. There are certain horror movies that I like. I suppose you could say like, I like the classic horror movies. And every time I watch a horror movie, I think, and I think this is the kind of thing that you, I think you just have to like put this away. But there's this internal logic in horror movies in which the the protagonists of the movie have to act exactly the opposite way that anyone would act in real life in order for them to be murdered by the the masked killer or whatever. You know, everything has to be counterintuitive. So rather than run out of the house, you run upstairs and hide in a closet. And the parallel monster is what I remember thinking to myself. So this guy is brilliant enough that he's invented an interdimensional portal, but then isn't smart enough to be like, maybe I shouldn't just <laughs> exchange. Wander through. Right. Like, like, and then, you know, it's like you've wandered through and then you, the first thing you notice is that in the parallel dimension, there's like this, like, satanic ritual photograph on the way. And like, don't you turn right back around and go, you know what? I probably should have thought this through a little bit. So again, I don't mean to be the guy who's like, it was ridiculous. But the what, the minute you start to notice those things, I find that a movie, I have a hard time staying in it. No, I hear you. I, f- I feel like the, the script on that one maybe could have gone through a few more drafts. The, the crazy demonic genitals were surprising and funny. Yes. Yeah, again, it wasn't scary, but it was sort of like a third tier episode of the 1985 Twilight Zone if it were made for cable TV. Wow, that was, yes, that was a, that was a very kind uh, uh, assessment, but also uh, pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, it was the best part of, a, of an anthologized horror movie that was not very good. And I guess we'll do the skateboarding one last. The, yeah. the one about the evil cloak. With the magician. <laughs> yes, with the magician or the wizard or whatever. I was Dante the Great, directed and written by Greg Bishop. That one seemed to me like they had mastered some rudimentary computer effects and were going to show off every single one. Right. We'll put it all on the screen. Right? Like yes. Figured out how to do this specific trick. So that's going to be the basis of the entire plot. Yeah. It's sort of like how in, uh, in Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, with the advent of computer graphics, you could suddenly have the ships land. And if you watch The Phantom Menace, every other shot is a ship landing. Because it's like, look, it looks like it's got weight to it now. Yes. So we can play with that. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which is why that movie is so terribly paced. Um, <laughs> or one of the reasons why. And this was kind of like, oh, well, we'll suck the woman through a chair and then we'll... It was, Or it was like how if you go see a production of Shakespeare done by a company that is way too in love with the stage combat, and you're like, these fight scenes are taking an awfully long time. 
And I think, you know, it was that. I mean, that that was Dante the Great for me. Right. I'm having a good time just right now in visiting Lucas. Just be <laughs> like, you're going to want to get a tighter shot of that ship landing. And they're like, George, it's the 35th ship landing in the last half an hour. I was like, yeah, I know. But can you see how we could really get the weight? <laughs> I couldn't do this in Empire. <laughs> More ship landing. Stat. Even in the special editions, they added a bunch of ships landing. <laughs> well, look, if you got that ship landing money, Kevin. And I think part, I think part of the issue with, with these anthology stories is... Sometimes when horror works, it's playing on more than what the movie is like ostensibly about. Like right. how Invasion of the Body Snatchers in the 50s had this whole thing about, you know, people's concerns about communism and how a bunch of horror movies in the 80s, you can make ties to like anxiety about the sexual revolution or, you know, the AIDS crisis or a nuclear war or Reaganomics or whatever. And I feel like these were kind of trying to do something around, you know, how we're all addicted to screens and documentation online. It was either too heavy handed or it wasn't there enough. Well, it's never a good sign when you've watched a film and then you go and do a little research and read the synopsis on a Wikipedia page. And then the Wikipedia page does a much better job of describing what was going on the screen than the movie itself did. You know what I mean? Like I, I walked away from watching the movie, like very sort of just confused as to what, and then I looked it up on the Wikipedia page and I was like, Oh yeah. All right. Well that, that actually makes sense that there's, Especially with the with the uh, the skateboarding portion of it, where so many things didn't make sense to me that I read the Wikipedia page and I was like, "Oh, I had that issue with the framing sequence because I think because it kept going out and coming back. I don't think it was shot in a way that made a lot of linear sense, and so I was kind of like, "What just happened there?" And it's it explained it on the Wikipedia page, and I was kind of like, eh, "That didn't well, work for me at all." <laughs> well, right. I, that was the thing I was very confused about. Is like, is the video, the viral video that was making everyone go nuts, the footage of the guy filming his girlfriend from the beginning of the movie? I it was, no. I was very confused. <laughs> and then, then there was the skateboard sequence called Bone Storm, which is why we watched this movie for the podcast yes. to begin with, and that was uh, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Scott Moorhead, and. That involved two skateboarders and uh, the guy filming them who are trying to film a skate video and head down to Tijuana to skate in kind of a flood channel. For a joust. <laughs> For a joust. The second joust that we've seen in a, uh, in a, in a drainage. It's Kevin. Inspired by thrashing. They're like, we got to go down to Tijuana. We're going to get in this flood and we're going to make a sick skate video. And then like one of them, like there's a pentagram in the flood channel and that summons a bunch of monsters. So like I said, I looked it up, you know, I looked up yeah. the plot synopsis on the Wikipedia page and that clarified some of the questions I had because like, all right, so the whole project here is we're watching movies with skateboarding in them. And as a guy who's really into skateboarding, there was a lot of stuff that made it onto camera, onto the, onto the screen that just didn't make sense you know, from watching it from a skateboarder's point of view, for example, hiring a guy to film you rather than just handing the camera to your idiot friend, which is the way that skateboarding videos are shot, you know, but, but then this guy's uh, modus operandi was really to film like bad things happening. 
he was trying to almost like create a snuff film, which is why he got so excited when they fought the like the marine rollerblader guy in the skate park. But the, the, it, and and which is also it's like a clumsy way to explain why they had helmets with cameras yeah. on them. That was not adequately conveyed in at the film itself. All like at all, and that's so. For when I'm watching the film, I'm like, okay, first of all, why would they want first person point of view he- cameras like mounted in their helmets? But again, that's a clumsy way of of getting them to continue filming. And to say, like, oh, it's found footage. So then the idea of taking a road trip to Tijuana to skate a certain drainage ditch, sure, that makes sense to me. But then again, and I, I, you know, like I... you, you, you are watching a horror movie, but the fact that they they sort of become surrounded by these weird sort of zombie cults and they don't immediately just drop everything and run in the other direction. <laughs> I'm like, why, why would you do battle with the bone face painted cult in the drainage ditch? Why wouldn't you just run in the exact opposite direction? Again, I think that went back to the thing with with the magician one where they liked that they could do these special effects. So it was like, Oh, they're going to fight them with the skateboards. Right. Right. It, and it, yeah. And all that all, they, it's perfect. They've got weapons. And one of them had a gun for some reason, which I thought was, they got fireworks. Like the one thing, I mean, I could follow when he cut himself in the blood one on the pentagram. I've seen enough episodes of Buffy, the vampire slayer to know what was going to happen then. Sure. And that, and, and I, and, and that was pretty cool. Like, okay, invariably the kid is going to cut himself skating. And then, you know, you see the pentagram on the ground. You're like, Oh, I know where this is going. At some point, I feel like during the filming of that, it read very much to me that it became like what you were saying, like kids with cameras who were like, what if we had like an awesome fight scene? And so, I kind of enjoyed that, that they were like, well, we'll just have this awesome battle. I felt like from a plot standpoint, what Bonestorm felt to me like, like when it ended was either a pre-credit sequence from a movie or like the first act of like an episode of Buffy. Like I could see a movie about like this creature gets released and for the, you know, the before the credits roll, here's these dopey skateboard kids going to Tijuana and one of them gets blood on the pentagram and that releases the cultists and it just went on too long. And then, you know, it's actually Sarah Michelle Gellar who has to, you know, stop the, the, the creature. It's funny, Kevin, now that you say that, it plays out so cleanly in my head. Like I can yeah. absolutely see then the, the credits, you know, and then now there's this benevolent creature and Buffy's got to deal with it. And the skater kids are just the... <laughs> the creatures in Sunnydale. The skater kids are friends with Oz. Right, yeah. Oz is like, where are my skater friends? And they go to skate the Hellmouth because it's got a sick pool. Yeah. <laughs> Oz is like, Buffy, can you can you help me find my skate friends? They're missing. And then they go and, you know, there's like a severed arm somewhere and Xander's like, need a hand, Buffy? And then, <laughs> then you go into it. Angel broods. Man, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I think we're doing some really good work here, Kevin. We're, we're, oh, we're, we're, we're spitballing a, a missing episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer based on Bone Storm. Oh, this could be one of those tie-in novels I that like they're it. still releasing. A little, little fanfic. I'll tell yeah. you, it was funny. The one thing I did have a little fun with, with the, with the, bone storm section was that you got the sense that the guy who was filming like wasn't really a friend of theirs and i actually felt like i was getting trolled a little bit because the names of the tricks 
that he calls out for them to do are just a hundred percent made up. And I remember sitting there, be, and like at first, my first reaction was being like, "That's not the name of that trick." And then I was like, "Oh wait, they're fucking with me." <laughs> like he, at one point, he says he, he yells for one of the kids to do a shamu dive, and I was like, "That's not a real thing." But then, of course, I I enjoyed the movie a second time by reading the Wikipedia page, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's messing with them. He doesn't know the name of the tricks. He keeps telling the kid to do a front flip off the barrel, and then the kid does not do a front flip off the barrel." And I thought that was pretty funny. And as far as who the skateboarders were, they're just, you know, one of the dudes was also in another movie, a short film called The Veer, I guess is what it was called, or Veer. And uh, I had never heard of any of them before. I don't know who those dudes were. I mean, the skateboarding was pretty cool. They did some pretty sweet tricks. Other than that, there wasn't there really wasn't much to, to learn about the skateboarder kids. I, I don't know enough about skateboarding to know if that was an adequate representation of what the skateboarding was. I know it, it like it didn't work for me as a horror film. Not at all. I, there was I that's well that's the funny thing is that I don't traditionally like horror films. I don't like being scared. I usually, I describe my experiences with a horror film as that I just want it to be over because it makes me really nervous. It's the perfect setup. You could put me in front of like the third Nightmare on Elm Street movie and I will be terrified by it. I really do get nervous about horror films and this movie I just wanted to be over but for for different reasons. I was not terrified by the third Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Dream Warriors. I liked that movie a lot, but that was like a weird action adventure movie. I like Dream Warriors to me felt like almost like the the X-Men or the New Mutants because they all had powers within the dreams that they were fighting Freddy Krueger with. Maybe you should watch the third Nightmare on Elm Street movie now. <laughs> yeah, maybe And I see should. if it still scares you because I, I remember I was in elementary school and I was like homesick and I went to my, my grandfather's house and he had HBO and was not paying attention to what I was watching and I didn't have cable as a kid and I watched Poltergeist. And Poltergeist scared the shit out of me as an elementary school kid. And I watched it again as an adult. And that movie is not scary. (laughs) Well, it's fun. I have the exact same story with the first Friday the 13th. It was just, it was like a rainy Saturday and there was nothing going on. And my parents went, you know, went out somewhere and I just, it just was on HBO and I watched it and it just, I was so terrified but just by what unfolded on the screen in that movie that I could, I, I don't think I watched another horror movie for 15 years. Hmm. Like it just scared me deeply. I, I'll be honest with you right now, just talking about for, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the thought of Freddy Krueger is scaring me right now. Like I just, that's well, he's, he stalks your dreams, Michael. He's, he's one, two, Freddy is coming for you. That's terrifying. I actually looked into, like, not knowing that you had that that relationship with the movie. I was like, does someone skateboard in Dream Warriors? Because it seems like someone would. Right. It's possible, it's possible someone does, but I was not able to find evidence of it. Because I haven't seen Dream Warriors since I was a teenager. I like horror movies that are kind of like, you know, because I'm a pretentious person. So I like the horror movies that are kind of like the artsy horror movies. Like I loved The Witch from 2015 and I love Rosemary's Baby. Like if I'm going to watch a horror movie, I like stuff like that. And I do find those movies scary. I find the, the like the class, like Friday the 13th, the first Friday the 13th terrifies me. And I think it's or for the same, in, in the same way that the first Halloween does is that they're filmed in this such a dark 70s way 
that they just feel claustrophobic and scary to me. And I, it's like, I'm such the perfect mark for those movies. Any one of those original classic horror movies, like to this day, I can't, I can't watch them. Oh, I, I, I love those movies. I like, I love the original Halloween. I think it's, I think it's so effective. I, I think that might, it's like the best movie. It's so yeah. scary. Like I just, that scene at the beginning with the, with the, where Michael is a little kid in the clown suit. Are you kidding me? It's like, <laughs> that is horrifying. Uh, the one I argue with people a lot about is the shining because I think the shining is fantastic. And I know a lot of people who are huge Stephen King fans who cannot stand that movie, including Stephen King himself, who claims it's like the worst adaptation of any of his works, which I find really shocking because have you seen how many shitty Stephen King adaptations there are? <laughs> right, right. The, 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 the beautifully filmed Stanley Kubrick classic, The Shining, is the worst adaptation of your work. Are you kidding me? That's the one that sticks in his craw. That's the one where he's like, oh, The Shining movie. And they did a TV miniseries in the 90s where Stephen King was like, you know, famously, oh, we're going to get it right this time. And they hired like Stephen Weber from Wings to play the Jack Nicholson part and no disrespect to Steven Weber from Wings. But at the time of The Shining, Jack Nicholson was widely considered one of the finest actors in America. Sure. Isn't isn't Anthony Edwards also in that that adaptation? Possibly. Yeah. Let's let's say yes. (laughs) Sure. For for the sake of argument, Anthony Edwards is also in that. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I think that if your expectations of an adaptation are going to be that it's just exactly like the book, then I would say maybe just read the book. But the, the, the movie, the shining is a, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's terrifying. It's that movie is so unsettling the way it's shot. Yeah. And I don't want to misrepresent the other side here because the people who I disagree with about the shining are people who I think are a very smart and like, I respect their opinions on a lot of things. And so I don't want to misrepresent their opinions, but my understanding of it is that what upsets them is that in the book, the Jack Nicholson character is, it portrays a lot more of his, his internal struggle and how he gets, you know, possessed by the hotel. And that's what makes him go nuts. And the film is not nuanced towards the Jack Nicholson character. Because if you watch the film from the first scene, you see this character and you're like, this guy's going to go crazy and kill everyone. But to me, the Jack Nicholson character acts like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock once said, if you surprise someone by having a bomb go off, but suspense is letting the audience know there's a bomb underneath the table and then having the scene play out. And to me, the Nicholson character is the bomb because you know he's going to go off, but you don't know when. I agree, Kevin. Jack Nicholson is the bomb. Is the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) But you're you're not supposed to sympathize with that character. The character you're supposed to sympathize in the Shining movie is the Shelley Duvall character. Right. It's a book versus a movie, right? Like all the nuance in the book. I've read the book. It's it's terrifying. It's amazing. But it's, I, I just feel like in the translation from the book, to the movie like i think they got everything right they hired jack nicholson to go fucking insane on camera it's beautiful it's the scene with shelly duvall and the, and the bat where she's confronting jack for the first time is it's it's almost unwatchable to me it's very telling how quickly we are shifting to talking about any movie but vhs viral 
And another thing about VHS Viral, The Shining is amazing. <laughs> it's hard. Like, there's not much to recommend of this movie. I thought I thought it was like, oh, it's a horror movie with skateboarding in it. We can watch this for Halloween, and it will make our show a spooktacular. I don't want to just completely trash it, but yeah, I, I, I was glad when it was over, but not for the usual reasons that when I watch a horror movie, I'm glad that it was over. <laughs> just there wasn't a lot to it. I, I wouldn't recommend this to someone who is interested in found footage horror. So what are we going to do next? Uh, I mean, I, I think we could go with, let's do something uh, fun. Okay. Back to the future. Yes. Michael J. Fox literally invents skateboarding, Kevin. <laughs> and rock and roll. And rock and roll. So that's, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> While he's skateboarding, and then the person's like, this is your cousin, Marvin Caballero. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you see this kickflip? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a, I, I, it's like a deleted scene, right? <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. Our website is GleamingTheTube.net. We're on Facebook at GleamingTheTube, Twitter and Instagram at GleamTheTube, and our email is GleamingPod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Skateboarding is not a crime.